there he is. There you are. Wow, here we are again. Our 873rd episode. Cheers, my brother. Cheers. Not actually 873rd. I want to read something to you. Um, this is a quote from an interview. And uh, see uh, see if you can figure out which actor this is. Okay. It's got nothing to do with tonight's movie. But I think he has been in one of the movies that we've watched. I'm 87 years old. I only eat so I can smoke and stay alive. The only fear I have now is how long consciousness is going to hang on after my body goes. I just hope there's nothing like there was before I was born. I'm not really into religion. They're all macrocosms of the ego. When man began to think he was a separate person with a separate soul, it created a violent situation. The void, the concept of nothingness is terrifying to most people on the planet. And I get anxiety attacks myself. I know the fear of that void. You have to learn to die before you die. You give up, surrender to the void, to nothingness. Anybody else you've interviewed bring these things up? No, oh, hang on. I got to take this call. Hey, brother. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, I'm being interviewed. We're talking about nothing. I've got him well steeped in nothing right now. He stopped asking questions. Wow. I have I have questions. First of all, where where is that transcript from? It's from an interview with this with this actor, and he took a phone call in the middle of the interview. And I love at first, that. At he first, stopped asking questions. At first, I was uh, gonna say I was gonna say um, Robert Mitchum, mm -hmm. but then then no, then no. I thought maybe no, no. But am I in the ballpark? I think I think he was in the movie with Robert Mitchum that we watched. Well, we started watching and then we didn't. It doesn't really count. We didn't really cover yeah. it too much. <clears throat> um, I was going to say like Robert Mitchum or Lee Marvin, but it's who close. is it? It's Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, wow. You know, he occurred to me. I actually thought... I thought it might be Harry Dean Stanton. And then I was like, why would anybody be inter like, this is more like the kind of interview they would give to Robert Mitchum, like a big, big yeah. star. Yeah. Of course that's Harry Dean Stanton because he gets all <laughs> Buddhist and like esoteric at the end. Yeah. Cause he's a pretty Buddhist esoteric guy apparently, or yeah. was that's all. That's a great quote. I just love, he stopped asking questions. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, other than the smoking part, reminds me a little bit of Pops, too. Well, that was definitely going to be my, I, if it weren't for the smoking, I would have said Dad. Yeah. Yeah. He would love to have said that on a phone call. Like, yeah. no, I'm being interviewed. No, I'm I don't know. Some, yeah. some guy. I don't he's, know. he's not talking anymore. <laughs> I scared him. I was looking online for uh I couldn't find it. I was looking online for the Chris Guest impersonation of Dad that he did on SNL. Oh, I found it and I showed it to Abigail a few months ago. Oh, no kidding. Okay, you got to send me the link cuz I couldn't yeah. I maybe yeah. I was mistyping. Abigail, Abigail kind of lost it. 
it's pretty scary as i recall yeah it's it pretty it's good right yeah um it's the joe franklin show um oh that's right it's the joe franklin yeah. show that's so if right you exactly google, if you google billy crystal joe franklin okay and kathleen turner was the yeah that's the, right the that's right yeah the matzahs by strites mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah. i gotta i am i can't wait i can't yeah wait. it's pretty great um so how you doing other than you know being oh, in nothingness you know other than being other than all of it all of the nothing the nothingness of the universe i'm fine um and including the nothingness of the universe i guess i'd have to say i'm fine because that would be included in the nothingness um i'm yeah. good i've been super busy I will confess to being probably the least prepared to talk about something that I've been for the show so far. Really? Will we talk about other things? Well, we'll have to talk about some other things. I'll rely on you a little bit. I mean, I saw almost all of it. Oh, oh, so you haven't seen all of it. I didn't see the last half hour. You didn't see the last half hour. Oh, so but you I've didn't seen see the, the I, whole thing. You didn't see the whole clown sequence. Where they it, with with the rush where they go through the Russian the Russian clown school. I'm so sorry, Noah. I did not see the uh, the no. Yeah, it takes this weird left turn, and there's a chase through uh, through. So it, it gets to it go. It turns into into like blow. He's up. supposed to meet somebody at the Moscow Art Theater, but he gets lost, and he ends up at a Russian clown school. And uh, they take yeah, classes. Yeah, totally. Um. I'm well, lying. I have I have seen the movie. I saw the movie when it came out, so I remember, kind of remember the end. I'll ask you questions about it, and I I saw most of it, but it's just been a, a very frenetic week and a crazy day, and uh, and I, and my apologies for not being more uh, on top of things as I should be. No, I'm actually very glad this happened because if Are it you? ever happens to me, I I have a card. Now. You do. Have, you can I totally have, say yeah. Jail free card. Yeah. Uh, it's true. I'm also glad it happened on this one because my spider senses tell me that uh, um, a Lacare movie is one that would have your full attention and that you would uh, have many opinions about. I I do have many opinions. Uh, some of them circle around. Uh, I, I will say this. Roy Scheider was fantastic in Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. A fantastic performance. You know, he was also great in in the in the the French Connection. Yes, he was spectacular in the French Connection and the Seven Ups, and in all that jazz. Yes, he doesn't and, have to be great. Maybe, he doesn't have to be great all the time. <laughs> Sometimes he can be not great. <laughs> if you're great, you know, like you can take a you can take a, a, a day off from being great. Apparently, yeah. he did. Yeah. I and I see. See, I I'm not without opinions. I didn't want to make you think I had nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like me in college. I had lots of opinions on books that I didn't read. Sure. Wrote papers. Yeah. Wrote, wrote erudite papers on books that I didn't read. And got good grades on those papers. I'm sure. Yes. yes. Um. I hope none of my professors are listening, and they don't retroactively take my degree away. Are you using it? really well um yeah i don't think i could be a, a professor at chapman university without my degrees i think they would not hire me 
Oh, you mean you're just being an adjunct like me? No, that's all I am. I'm just an adjunct, but I don't think I, they... I, okay, well... Or they'd certainly change my pay scale, I think. Again, thank you for... Oh. Yes, it's well known I don't have a degree, so <laughs> thank right. you. <laughs> yeah, great. I, it it so. is now that you announced it. <laughs> I didn't say it. Um... Um, I got notes today. I, yesterday I had a big note session with my, uh, the producer who, who optioned my film. Oh, cool. Yeah. How did that go? Uh, sketchy for the first couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. And then we found the common ground and then it, it actually went great. I was really nervous about it. And I walked away with a list of things to do that I'm, really actually really excited about excellent and i think we'll 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 make the movie better well that's you know that's uh i've never heard of this anything going like this before so i'm i don't know what to say you mean this going good, well yeah i guess that's a good meeting so great <laughs> i know no experience with that either that or i am a uh a shallow shell of a man who has no commitment to his own artistic vision and was perfectly willing to say yes to anything they said to me. Uh-huh. Right. Well, you know, either way, you get a cup of coffee. I get a cup of coffee. Yeah. So, um, I'm glad, I'm glad the notes are good. I'm glad they're, um, I'm glad you're seeing eye to eye. That could be awful. Oh, yeah, Otherwise. Awful. Yeah. Other than Russia House, we'll get to it. Did you did you see anything else great? Did, did you see, see a thing? Else? Did you watch a thing? Uh, I'm watching a very interesting series from Iceland called Katla. Oh, I have uh, I've seen ads for that. Yeah, it's it's very interesting and peculiar and suspenseful. Very good performances. Um. I, I, and I don't understand a word anybody's saying. Occasionally they speak English, but when they're speaking Icelandic, I have no idea what's going on. Right. They have a sub, you can subtitle that. You could, there's a button on the Netflix where you can hit it and it says closed captioning. And, oh, uh, no, I did that. I was kidding. I, I you can read all about what they're saying. Um, <laughs> is it, is it, uh, what genre are we talking here? It is, um, uh, Police horror, thriller, horror, horror, no horror, sort of suspense, ooh. environmental. It's a um, a uh, a volcano. Katla is a volcano in Iceland, and it has been erupting for about a year. And this whole town is pretty much deserted, except for a skeleton crew of scientists and people who were there, uh, and some people who didn't evacuate, um, and. Um, people who have been dead or disappeared for a while start showing up covered in ash. And I mean, people who've been missing for 20 years or, uh, or a year suddenly appear covered in ash and still present. And they haven't, having had no recollection of not, of having been anywhere else. It sounds like a Scandinavian J.J. Abrams move. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, 
and and the design is really good too. I mean, the whole town is just covered. There's I don't know how they did it. Covered in ash and piles of soot, and it's it's very interesting. And again, like the other Icelandic show that I watched, the Valhalla Murders, makes me want to go to Iceland. Iceland's supposed to be fantastic. It's supposed to be great. Yeah. But you listen to the language and it's like you go to Italy, you go to Spain, you go to France. Even if you don't speak the language, you've got some idea of what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Listening to them speak Icelandic, it's like Klingon. It's quite different. There's not a word that sounds like, you know, like, like fantastic is not fantastique. When you go, you're not going to have to worry about it. Anything but just pass the loofah. That's all you're going to have to remember. Pass the loofah. And and can I have some more herring? Herring, please, please (laughs) give me more herring and whip my back with branches. That's all I need to tell you. Yeah, birch branches, I think. Hit me with a birch birch stick. Smack me around, get me drunk. (laughs) That's all I got to say. Yeah, okay. Nice. I will check that out. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's peculiar. Um, it's no brand new cherry flavor. Well, what is? I mean, really? Yeah. Did you finish that? I did finish that. How about that Catherine Keener? Come on, man. Spectacular. So She's, good. It makes me not want to hang out with her. Yeah, I'd think twice. <laughs> yeah. She's but, spooky. Uh, yeah, really spooky. She's really, really great i love how she just didn't do anything that was at all woo woo or mystical or mysterious she just played it like uh, yeah i'm a witch and this is my job and i destroy people's lives and do what i gotta do yeah yeah (laughs) yeah love it loved her costumes loved all of that and i I gotta say on the on the whole cat vomiting thing i am on team anthony i am not I am not on on, on team. team team Maddie. I'm not on team Maddie. Okay, okay, okay. And Maddie, Maddie, shout out to you. I love you. I I uh, I appreciate the praise that you gave for our show on your show, and I praise your show back. I think the show you do with Anthony is spectacular. But uh, the cat vomiting, and and I'm also with you on the vomiting. I mean, I am so over. It's like. It's like there's a the writers guild issued a rule. Um, if somebody is experiencing extreme emotion, the way it must be shown is by having them vomit. It's it's everywhere. It is yeah, everywhere. I, I'm 61 years old. I've had seriously traumatic things happen to me at various times in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll attest to that. You were right. there for some of them. Yeah. None of them have ever made me throw up. You know what makes me throw up? Bad tuna fish salad. That's yeah, that's generally what does it. I've yeah. had one too many cocktails. That's yeah. done it. Yeah, um, but a shock or a divorce or a, it doesn't make me vomit. It hasn't. Come I, up I, with some other creative way of showing that people are in distress. It's in every freaking movie since it's 1998. Movie. And frankly, I think it's lazy freaking writing. So I agree yeah. with you on that. Maddie, I back you up 100% on that claim. It bothers me. But this, I saw, I was like, oh, God, she's going to throw up. And I don't want this. God damn, they're doing the throw. Oh. Oh, my goodness. A cat. A kitten. A cute little kitten. kitten. Okay, now you got me. Yeah. 
I was like, all right, I, you know, I guess yeah. they could take this too far. They did the, for some people. I don't think so. I think there was just the right amount of vomiting cats in that show. And then the um, moment when she said, no more vom, no more throwing up kittens. I don't want to throw up kittens anymore. And Catherine Keener said, okay, no more throwing up kittens. And I, a little thing right back here, mm-hmm. back here went, oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Please don't tell her you don't want to throw up kittens anymore because something really yeah. bad is going to, yeah. and it did. Yeah, there is an alternative to that if there you is rather something else. And 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 for those of you listening, just it is not pooping kittens. That's not what it was. No, they 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 do have some taste. Yeah, they do control themselves. Yeah, and I um, can't believe I just said pooping kittens on the air. But... Can't believe we're not actually booted off the air at this point. <laughs> yeah. This is okay. this feed going to stay? It's apparently <laughs> stable. Okay. Um, I saw. I just I saw something I need to give a shout out to. I saw I I'm a big Mads Mickelson fan uh, as I I would I think maybe you are as well. I I'm a I just think he's fantastic. And I uh, saw this pretty new movie that he did called Riders of Justice. Have you seen this? No, I might have to. It, it, it's it's completely unhinged. It's fantastic. And and uh and I don't want to say a lot about it. I just think you should check it out. Where is it available? I got I rented the Blu-ray because I'm I'm old school and I'm like all hoity-toity about my picture quality. It has to be perfect. No, I'm kidding. I I, I happened to see it on a Blu-ray, but um, but I think you can see it on Amazon. Writers um, of Justice. Writers of Justice. Yeah. It's 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 I don't want to say a lot about it because it's a surprising movie. It's it it's not it it's not what you think by the poster, by the description necessarily. It has some some surprises in it that I think you'd appreciate. Um I have a question for you. Um how long do you think uh people will sit and listen to us just talking about random crap and not getting to the movie that we're supposed to talk about? how long's how long are they driving to how long does it take to drive to laguna beach or to some where they're going i don't know they'd listen as long i think as uh the drive is yeah okay yeah to the the um, car the the uh the car talk of movies this, this, is a, this was a chat 20 minute chat two brothers talking we th- we haven't i haven't seen i haven't seen you in, in two weeks that's right we didn't have a show last week we're, we're getting reacquainted we're talking about current events okay. as as far as they apply to us and uh <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, we can start and, talking about the movie at any time and the other thing is this you know what they are not paying us no so we can damn well do whatever we want with this hour but when they do pay us, we have to do every, every, whatever they say. Yeah, and we we could we could not talk about them. We could not watch or talk about the movie. We could talk about not seeing it. I'm sure there are podcasts out there of two guys talking about a movie they didn't see. Yeah, this is okay. Well, we between the two of us, we saw like 85 percent of this movie. Yeah. Well, I no, I mean. I saw 100%. You saw 75%. But I saw it before and I saw the whole thing. So that's oh, got to okay. count for at least another 10%. All right. So like 90 per, 92% of the movie. We saw 92% of this movie. Okay. We saw 192%. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Good. Then we're good. Um, right. Okay. So uh, f- 
let's get going. I know the I know everybody's restless. Okay. Let's get to Russia House. It's the thing everybody's talking about now. It's Everybody. a movie that's just it, it's on everybody's minds. It's so the, let's start talking about it. Yes. The Russia House. So Russia House, nineteen ninety, directed by Fred Shepsey, which should be pronounced Shepsey. It's not for some reason that I don't understand. Um, starring. Uh, James Bond, no, um, Sean Connery, John Mahoney, Roy Scheider, Michelle Pfeiffer, James Fox, James Fox, and Ken Russell, and Ken Russell, ladies and gentlemen, Ken Russell, and Klaus Maria Brandauer. Yeah, let's not forget Klaus Maria Brandauer. Yep, and let's JT not. Walsh, and JT Walsh, and, and Chris Lawford and KNS, your friend and mine, Tuck Milligan. Tuck, I, I miss. Where's Tuck in it? You I, missed I, him. Tuck, I have to go back. Tuck is the guy who um, uh, performs the uh, the lie detector test on. I John gotta Conway. go back and look at look at that again. I didn't even see this movie, and I know stuff about it. Look <laughs> oh at this. God. Oh my God, I'm a bad yeah. person. Talking so, about, um, you know. so um, uh, Sean Connery is a barley, uh, barley corn, John barley corn. John barley corn. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's his full name? I forget. His full, I just watched this movie. <laughs> it's going so well. <laughs> Let's pull this up, shall we? Let's Everybody see. Just calls him barley. I don't Let's remember his see. Name. His name is Barley. Yeah, Barley. They don't have a last name here um, on IMDb. It's not even on yeah. IMDb. He is Barley, uh, a publisher who has fallen on semi-hard. You get the feeling things aren't going great at his publishing house. Uh, but he lo he loves the Soviet Union. He, he lives in Madrid, but he travels and he loves to go to the Soviet Union. He loves the people. And he's at a writer's conference retreat. And um, he's in his cups and he says some things about freedom. And we're in the middle of Glasnost. This was shot right before. Actually, the wall came down while they were shooting this movie. Uh, so when the book was being written, it was in that, that ramping up to when uh, Reagan was president. And, and we had a feeling that, you know, things were coming to an end in the, in the Soviet bloc. And uh, he is talking about stuff at this writer's retreat and somebody later uh, through Michelle Pfeiffer, who's also a publisher, passes him a, a manuscript. Um, and uh, the manuscript goes astray on its way to Sean Connery and ends up in the hands of MI6, uh, the Russia House, which is the division of MI6 that deals with Russia. And um, it turns out that it's from a Soviet scientist and they decide to make this publisher go to work for them as a go-between with the scientists so that we can find out Russian secrets. Yes. But it's John le Carre. So it's the, it's the exact opposite of James Bond. It's, it shows how slow and boring spy work must be except for the fact that you might get killed mm -hmm. that that's the exciting part of it that you might get killed 
is where all of the tension comes from. But none of the tension comes from chases or wow. gadgets. That's, or, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, uh, did I did I capture it? You did. Uh, I I think that there's another pitch for it that's a little shorter and and punchier okay. and includes the love interest, which you yes. just completely oh. avoided. Um. I mean, the movie starts with uh, with Michelle Pfeiffer's character um, kind of nervously dropping off this this envelope at this book fair to um, to the kiosk where she thinks that, you know, um, uh, uh, barley corn's books are sold and it gets uh -huh. into the hands of one of his associates who I guess then gives it up to the to the uh to mi6 but because he's a, he's also a scottish guy i think yeah but um but it starts with her and um in meeting uh sean connery it's clear that you know well they don't i, I see i didn't see the last half hour of this movie so i i, I don't know did did he have a connection to her at that retreat or not? Because it looks no, like he's he lying. Not, he did not have a connection to her at the retreat. It she looks was... like he's lying or they're trying to make you think that maybe he did when he says early on in the movie, I've never seen her. I don't know her. He pauses no. in a really odd way. No, um, it's because the moment he saw her, he fell in love with her. Okay. Which explains the casting of Michelle Pfeiffer. Because if, if you're casting a character where one character has to see them and just instantly fall in love with them, you with them, you cast Michelle Pfeiffer. Was that a union bylaw? I don't uh, understand. Yeah, no, and I say that that's not, and that's not saying, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Like, I'm not talking like, oh, she's beautiful. Of course you fall in love with her. I think that, that Michelle Pfeiffer brings a lot more than than that to to a role and to this role yes um, she she did she brought many things to it that i we will talk about um yeah. you know i agree the character has to i guess so because he does he does i saw you know the scene where he can he does say like i i love you i've fallen in love with you and it's very real it doesn't seem like he's faking that at all and um so she has to be somebody who you would fall in love with like immediately, like you'd yeah. see them and fall for them. And she's probably a, I guess a, a decent choice. I just feel like perhaps they might've cast at least a European in that role. If not a, a, a Russian rush. woman and a Russian actress, I have five women in mind, you know, who I think could have. Uh, oh, so you're not on the Michelle Pfeiffer train with me. Well, no, I'm not because I, I and, and it's really not a complaint. I mean, I, I, she's fine and I've loved her and other things, but I feel like in a movie that that um is is shot in Moscow for the first time a Western movie's ever been shot there. Like the gates open. We're actually seeing Red Square. We're in the Kremlin. We're all over the real stuff and everybody else is the person they say they are everybody else is either scottish or they're or they're english or they're american or there are a lot of like east german kind of people like klaus maria brandau or their accents fit and then you've got her right who's 
literally like to me struggling to be uh, she sounds like she sounds like uh she's on star trek i mean it's it, it's it's but they it, don't where are they going to find good actors in Ru come on tony in in russia it's russia. true yeah I it's mean, true you're absolutely right i didn't think of that <laughs> i kept on thinking like how much more this movie uh would probably hit me if somebody like um isabella johnny or or irene yakob or or you know, at least a European actor, somebody who could convincingly kind of be that. Pfeiffer is so American to me. She didn't kill the accent. And I I just, I just didn't really believe she was Russian and everything else was not believing this. It wasn't even about being believable. It was, it was the thing you've got, you know, you want an English guy. Here's Edward Fox. He's the most English guy you're going to find. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, they got JT Walsh, who's like the most American guy ever, ever. Yeah. Right. And everybody else is their nationality, is their real thing. There's real Russian actors in it speaking real Russian with real Russian accents. And then she comes along and it's like, I know you you're good, you worked hard, but this is not it's a little it was a little uh, you know, a stretch, oh. which I did not like to take. Oh, I'm so heartbroken. Why? I'm a I'm a Michelle Pfeiffer fan. Oh, see, I I agree. She's great, and this is a good Michelle period here. You know, you're coming out of uh, fabulous Baker Boys, and and it's a good period for her and for for Connery. I just I don't know for me, miscast. And in terms of the accent, you know, the the first role I understudied on Broadway, I had to do a Russian accent. I never went on, but I had to do a Russian accent for the role and rehearsals. And I worked really, really hard on the accent. Um, and I, I was understudying Mark Lynn Baker. Um, and I worked really hard on the accent. And then I went to, 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 to Mark Lynn Baker, who I didn't know well at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I asked him for advice on the accent and what source materials he used so that maybe I could, you know, use those same source materials. And he looked at me and said, uh, Boris and Natasha <laughs> was what he used. Dude, and then, and then <laughs> in understudy rehearsal, I actually got this <laughs> note. Now it was a Neil Simon play. And the note that I got was Matthew Less authentic, more funny. Wow. See? <laughs> yeah. Well, people don't really know, except I know. This Welcome was, to Broadway. Is, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know all about that because, <laughs> honestly, on The Americans, you know, I, I played a, a Greek character for six years on this show. Yeah. And, How was um, your Greek accent? Well, here's the funny part. When I when I auditioned for it, it was just a one scene part. They didn't know that they were going to have this character on for six years. They really didn't. So it was right. like maybe an episode, maybe two. Okay. And it was kind of a comedy relief thing on the show, to be honest, when it started. And it always kind of was. But I had no time to prepare for the audition. I literally was like, you got to come in like tomorrow. And, I, you know, what are you going to do? You got YouTube. You can't, you know, you can call a couple of people, but you're going to do what you can do. So yeah, you go in there, you say, you fuck one goat. I totally. <laughs> 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 
I totally just, you know, made it up. I just completely made it up. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I got the part. And I had, and then I shot it right away. So I had to commit to uh, to that for six years because I had already filmed it that way. Did, did you get notes on it ever from anyone? Never, not from anyone. The only you... note I got was that nobody knew exactly where I was from. People were like, oh, that Russian guy that's in the office or that I'm, I was like, well, he's Greek, but whatever. Did you get angry letters from the... Uh, the uh from the, the greek consulate from the greek consulate and from the you know the brothers of apollo or you know i, I didn't i didn't i mean I, look i i, I can are understand. you welcomed in diners across the tri-state i am I, I think i've eaten in so many apollo. diners they felt that i i was completely valid in taking that role do you have you the know cups i like i this? feel like do you have the, the i have that the cups the, i do yeah i literally have it over there so yeah don't test i have greek <laughs> street cred that okay. you have no idea about spanakopita yeah. i ate it i had it for dinner okay all right um orzo is my middle name yeah yeah uh yeah so anyway i made all that up and so i i feel for her whatever she can't she's not great at accents that's fine that's fine not everybody can do everything you know she's a great actress, and um, and what? Maybe she only had a few weeks to prepare. I don't know. Michelle, I love you, so you know, don't listen to him. I I love her too. I'm not saying anything. Okay, not my favorite part of the movie. My favorite part of the movie is Ken Russell, without a doubt. <laughs> Ken Russell. What's happening here? Like, what what's what doing? is happening? What is he doing? What's wonder? He's just doing himself is the amazing thing. It's just like Ken, you do what we're we're all gonna play spy stuff. We're gonna really work, and you go do whatever you want. It was like watching um, uh, what's his name, Jack Sparrow. It's like Jack Sparrow dropped down into the middle of of this movie. It was like Johnny, it was like Tiny Tim playing yeah. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> yeah, right. Or yeah. something. <laughs> I mean, I he, he's an extraordinary filmmaker and a great artist and a and a extremely eccentric man. And um, holy moly, what an interest! What a wow! Like it, it's kind of genius casting in a in a way because I could see, you know, that there might be people like that in in jobs like that that they're that they're hired for their extremely specific abilities and that right. their social abilities wouldn't be one of the things they're hired to do. So I, I, I kind of could see it. And yeah. I, but I kept thinking about baked beans is the problem. Why? Why oh, Cause of Tommy. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, this was a reference that I, I was like, okay, I'm lost now. Wow. Because of Tommy. Uh, but um, but yeah, okay, so you you uh, you fell in love with this movie. You feel like about this movie the way that Sean Connery felt in that doorway when he says, I I love you. No, no, I didn't I didn't I, I wasn't enthralled through the whole movie. What I did there were aspects of it that I love. I love I love the world that that Lacari takes you to in all of his work. That he 
he he turns the spy genre on its freaking head. You know, he redefined it in a way. And, you know, George Smiley, who is in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. and, and who was I love that movie. Yeah. Um, I, I never saw the film, but the novel just knocked me out. And and it was the first time in, in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy that I ran across the thing that they use in this movie of when you need to write. And George Smiley sat in his office at in MI6 at a, a desk that had nothing on it and a sheet of glass over the top of it and wrote on single sheets of paper on top of the glass and after finishing a sheet of paper moved it to the side and then polished the glass surface with a a handkerchief right whenever he was taking notes. are you sure you didn't you're not talking about being there <laughs> yeah okay yeah um and that sort of um so that when when they get to the part of this movie where where it it just becomes really, really slow chess playing. And you're trying to figure out what the other guy knows and what they're uh, what they're doing and what they're playing. And, and I figured out just before it happened, actually, I figured out the double cross that Sean Connery was pulling because of the line that he has where he says to her, you are my country. You are my only country now. And I realized he's going to betray everybody to save her. He doesn't give a shit about countries anymore. It's all, it's all bullshit to him. Mm-hmm. And, and he'll do, he will be a patriot to his country, which is her. Um, that sounds like a, that sounds like perhaps Tom Stopper had something to do with that flavor in this movie. Like I, I, I maybe it's in the book, but that that sounds like a very stopperty kind of notion. Yeah. Um, stopperty, which is a new. I'm going to patent that one. Stopperty. Stopperty. Um, I also loved. Um, it, it made me think of, in a completely different way, remember all of the travelogue stuff in Darker Than Amber? There was a lot of travelogue in this, mm-hmm. but, it, but it was beautiful and bleak at the same time. Well, it's, yeah, and that's a great pleasure of all these espionage movies, really, and certainly the Bond movies, is, is the travel stuff. I was reading something about that before where one of the one of the pleasures of james bond movies which isn't really discussed a lot um is that they were they became popular at a time where you know we weren't seeing those locales in in a lot of movies like in your everyday movies they they were going around the world to places that you know i mean we people just weren't getting to see in films a lot and and that was really cool to be able to like really look at something really shot in Monte Carlo or, or something really shot in, you know, in Lisbon or something. And, and, and this movie, I, 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 that's one of the things I, I, I like this movie a lot. I don't mean to give you the impression. I don't like it. I was being kind of funny and I, I, I really wish that somebody else had played Katya. That's my, my complaint. Cause I actually, I actually like this movie when it came out and there's a lot about it outside of even the Le Carre stuff that 
I think is great. I mean, I think the photography is is stunning. I think they they really made good on that on that on being the first you know Western team of uh, filmmakers to shoot there. Um, you look upset. Did I say no. something wrong? Oh, okay. No, 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 I'm with you. I'm completely with you. Um, and I love the score, you know, uh, Goldsmith oh. score is great. And, you know, Branford Marsalis like kills it. It's really, it's really like a great romantic score and, and, um, much and better I, than, and I'm so glad they went with him because they were going to go with chicken Marsalis for a while. Chicken Marsalis was, he was so overrated. He was great live, like in a, at a club, but not, yeah, yeah. not for film scoring. No. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I, I, there's a lot to love, you know, and, and not the least of which for me is like, it's a great Connery. It's a great Connery moment. Well, what a great, yeah, what a great way to see him unbond himself. Right? Yeah. You know, the op, this is the opposite of bond in every way. And, and he inhabits it as effortlessly as he did the other, that other kind of spy, you know, yeah. I mean, he calls himself, there's a lot of great lines in this, of course. And, and I love the way he describes himself when he's going to go meet her and he goes, well, I don't know what you look like. He goes, just look for a large unmade bed. And yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly what he does look like in that overcoat. Right. But, um, it's Which, a real again, pleasure. The opposite of what he used to be. You know, yeah, exactly. Incredibly put together. The most suave, elegant, yeah. you know, cool guy ever, yeah. ever. And here he's just, you know, he's he's a he's he's not in shape, and he's just kind of ungainly, and he's got a scruffy beard. His hair's not combed or cut, yeah. and and um, outside of the fact that I always, uh, every time I've. I've seen clips of him playing, trying to play jazz saxophone. I can't, I start, I laugh. I can't help it. That was funny. Um, that was pretty funny. Cause he just doesn't have jazz. He doesn't seem like a jazz he guy. He does not have jazz. The no. only misstep as far as I could yeah. tell. But the music, but Jerry Goldsmith did, he did the heavy lifting in this movie. Yeah. Well, you know, now, all the, all the romances in his score. Yeah, there's a lot of this movie that works and would not have worked but for the music. Yeah. Because yeah. the 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 to make the plotting nature of so much of the spycraft exciting, it had to have the right score underneath it. And it and it yeah. did. Yeah. And I loved how the you you had the sense of the people watching all the time and the way that was handled. Like there would be people who you didn't realize were watching and like the woman in the purple coat in the hospital, you first see her and you, you don't think, Oh, that's somebody watching them. And then you see her in the next shot and you realize, Oh, that's somebody who was watching mm -hmm. them. Yeah. But then you find out later that some of the people who are watching are people on our on our side it's not so you just completely disoriented mm -hmm. and and what i loved about the movie and what it seemed to be saying for for barley is that eventually it, it became it didn't matter which side it was him against them and russia or america or britain as far as he was concerned it was all the same freaking thing mm, yeah yeah. And I loved that, that it became 
human versus bureaucracy um, and, and human versus people who are playing this game with, with, with people's lives, this game right. that, that the whole point of the movie is that maybe the game doesn't even matter because what, what this Soviet scientist is ostensibly, the information that he ostensibly has to sell, not sell, to share, is that the Soviet missile complex is completely impotent. That they don't, that the arms race, that there is no arms race because they can't hit the broad side of a barn. Um, and, and then America doesn't want to hear that because they're like, wait a minute. Well, it does a great job of kind of explaining why the business of that arms race. Yeah. If it's there's not really no arms about, race, we're in really, trouble. It's not really about war. It's about it's about negotiations and yeah. lever and business leverage and you know information and keeping and, the economy going because yeah. if, if there's no arms race, then Northrop Grumman and and Raytheon and all of these corporations are out of out of business. Oh, boohoo! <laughs> Wee, I lost. I don't have a business. Well, guess what? I don't have a business either. All right. All of my industries collapsed. So boo frickety who. Anyway, that didn't happen. And it's not um, it's not really a going concern anymore because all of the rules have changed. That's what's weird about seeing movies about Glasnost or about this time period or about even about the Cold War and what all was. I mean, it's just. The message changed. Well, I, I was thinking about it as, as I was watching this movie and how how much of it resonated with me. And I thought about trying to explain to somebody of a younger generation what this movie is about. Because the fact that the wall came down while they were making this movie, to try to explain to people who, who didn't, don't, didn't grow up under the shadow of that wall as, as we did. I mean, you, you spent time in, in Germany and went over the wall with mom i didn't go over the wall i i went through i went, went through the I, wall. I asked permission i they, you know, they let me through i didn't go over side. any walls jesus man <laughs> what are you trying to do <laughs> you went to the other side of the wall with mom a passport there was a guard they let yeah, there was literally they was opened the gate and we almost, could go through you almost got into very deep doo-doo I did. Because yeah. You brought a copy of like uh, Curious George or something with you, and I, you got in I trouble. I did. I got in a lot of trouble. I don't remember what the book was, but it they was were the like, it was the one the book of wonder. Was ist das? Was the, ist das book of wonders? The wonder book. Yeah, and it got confiscated or something. You got oh yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how it happened. Um, because they look in your, they looked in your gas tank. They had mirrors under the car. I mean, they take, they take your, they took your car apart completely <laughs> before you get to go over there. They look in everything, and and I don't know what, why they missed this book. I and I didn't know that I couldn't bring a book. I I guess uh, nobody had bothered to tell me that I could have well, been you, taken you to a prison. 11. You were eleven. What what do you? And I had a school book. It was like a Greek mythology. And on the way back through, um, I I had had it out. I was reading in the car, and I let I just put it on the back shelf of the 
of the car and on the way through they were like okay everything's great and then they saw us go and they saw the book on the back and they were like hold on i mean that that was your mistake if you had read john le carré you would have known that putting the book oh on the back ledge of the car it's a signal. signal It should have been face down, and yeah. I, I made that mistake. Face, face up, it's safe. Face down, it's not yeah. safe. Don't make the transfer. But they, 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 you know, they saw the book, and then they, they tore the part a car apart again. Like they stopped again, and they were like, out of the car. They went through everything all over again. Well, took the seats out. I can understand it because mom. I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, frankly, seriously, mom, spy. She looks dangerous. You look, you look at her. You look at her. Spy. She looks like a dangerous. Yeah. She could, could clearly be an insurgent. You don't know. Yeah. Don't one know about most, her. One of the most dangerous. And looking. when I was 11, I was pretty tough. I was yeah. scary. Yeah. You were. Yeah. Yeah. I was a craggy, craggy 11 year old. Um, well, you you dressed in those tweeds. So they thought you actually were George Smiley. They thought I was an, un, an unmade. <laughs> ottoman um <clears throat> so anyway that was a sidebar but uh here we here yeah we're talking about a time period that not a lot of people you know um are really really remember it's just not something that people are you know and it, and it really evoked his love of of moscow uh and his love of that place and that culture really evoked a whole kind of sensibility that you don't even really see anymore you know, people talking about, oh, I love, I just love this country. I want to come here and spend time in this country. Maybe I've just been in lockdown in Brooklyn too long, but just, it seems like a sentiment that's kind of gone. Um, hooray for, uh, for Klaus Maria Brandauer. Yeah. He's so good. He's wonderful in it. Wonderful in it. Do you have a favorite moment in the movie? Do you have a favorite of, of, of the moments of what I of the moments that I saw? <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny one. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I have other than uh, other than Sean Connery playing jazz. Anytime that he plays jazz, yeah. which is my favorite thing. Um, uh, I I have a I have a scene that I particularly love, and I, I I'd be fascinated to know more about the actor who's in it. Um. Connery goes to Ehrlich in the first half hour. He goes to meet someone who's like a middle-aged, balding, kind of important guy in some office who immediately is like, hey, hey, and he opens up a bottle of whiskey. Right, yeah. Because he know, they share that love of whiskey because Barley drinks it through the whole thing. Right. And it's a great scene. It feels incredibly authentic. That guy feels like he is he works for the state somehow, but he opens the bottle and he, he throws the bottle cap away, which was this little detail that I just noticed and loved. Um, Meaning we're going to drink this bottle. Yeah. This is, we're never going to, we're not capping it again. So he just literally takes it off and he throws it into the garbage. That's great. I didn't know. And um, I love that moment. And I love that scene. And, um, so that 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 I loved. I loved all the details about about Russian life that weren't narrated, you know, like like details like that. But in her in, in one case, she, there's a scene where she's in the shower 
I mean, she, you don't see her. She's got the curtain, the shower curtains there, but you just see like a little bit of the shower. And, and in order to turn the water off, she has to get like a, a hammer and <laughs> hammer yeah. the nozzle. Yeah. You know, just this country's broken. Like there's so many broken parts of the country and, and they just captured that really well without making a joke out of it. Like without making it, you know, a cliche about, you know, uh, about Russian society. Um, how about yourself? Um, well, there were, I loved how, when, when suddenly we were in the, in the Russia house, like we're in these, these places with all kinds of character and these incredible palettes and people and, and thoughts and idea. And then suddenly we're in a different world and the way they juxtapose the, you know, corporate spy bureaucracy versus humans. But, um, I loved the moment where Roy Scheider touched James Fox's hair, which uh, was so weird. That and was one of the weirdest. It was so weird, but James Fox's response to it. Like, I don't know if that was scripted or if it was Roy Scheider, like try, deciding, oh, I'm going to do this thing. It looked unscripted to me. And the way James Fox stayed in character and just was... Who is this yeah. American touching my hair? Yeah, I, I was. That was the weirdest that was choice. Very weird. I didn't understand it completely, um, but there was something. I, I that that was the weak part of the movie. Like anytime I'm, we're following Connery around, anything with Brandauer, um, the general tone and pace was great. There was just something about some of the scenes with the CIA, particularly that. I just did. But it was it was Scheider that threw those off for me. I bought every like I bought John Mahoney, I bought JT Walsh, I bought all of that. And then Scheider, I didn't know what he was doing. No, I didn't know what he was he he I didn't understand his performance either. Um, um but it, then, it's yeah, maybe it was all his his doing, but those scenes didn't didn't work for me as did as did the flashbacks. There were I didn't love the flashbacks. I mean, they're, they're the scene where they're like they flash back to them him playing the jazz comb at the table at the thing, and there were yeah, it just it 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 every once in a while it just steps off the curb into traffic. This movie, and you're like, oh hey, come back here, <laughs> and then it's and then it's great for a while. And then there was one <laughs> shot that I loved, um, storytelling wise, um, which and you may have missed it because I'm not sure. If it was after it was, it, it wasn't in the first fifteen minutes. I don't know if I saw it, but it was when it was when Barley has finally made the decision that that she's it for him. He's declared her love for her, and we know that it's the two of them against the world now. And it's a great shot of the two of them in the in her apartment, and it's shot way back through a door, and they're completely. I, you know, you see them, they're boxed in and alone, framed in a door. And uh, I just love that kind of messaging. It's, that's right it's, after, that's right after he confesses to her writing on the glass, on the on yes. glass. Yeah. 
exactly. saying I, I'm they've co-opted me, but I'm here to help you. I'm here. To, yeah. Right. And I'm with you. And they and they yeah. frame them alone. And I, I love that kind of visual storytelling. I mean, yeah, it was great. I think I'm a huge admirer of how it's shot. I think it's gorgeous. <clears throat> I mean, it's no Gorky Park, but it's it is really pretty. Um, I kept on thinking of my how much more I liked this movie than than Gorky Park. I mean, no, there, no there's nothing similar about them other than they both take place in Russia around the same time. But th- this is such a catch me the grub ones. Sorry, this is that's right. That's right. <laughs> That was from Gorky Park. Yeah. Um, you haven't played that in a long time. Do you still have Catch that sound? I think I still have it somewhere here. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's a very lush, you know, romantic movie. It's it's actually because I don't I don't follow um, spy stuff terribly well, as I've admitted to you before, and as you know, um, all the espionage machinations, I, I I'm I get a little bit lost, but. It's the kind of like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It doesn't matter. It, it, it you really um you really can enjoy the atmosphere of it and this the the Le Carre stuff feels so uh kind of reality based that you feel like you're actually just kind of like observing people at work, which is always kind of interesting. It's not yeah. it doesn't seem like a, a fake out and um. It's a beautiful travel log. The locations are gorgeous. They're, you're, they're, it's some of the most beautiful photography of of Russian, um, you know, monuments and stuff you'll you'll ever see. And it's really, it's really cool to think that this is the, this is the first time that really ever happened. You know, with an with an American crew. Yeah. Well, actually, interesting bit of trivia uh, that I read today that this was. Um, one of two 1990 cinema movies starring Roy Scheider that were related to the Cold War. And those movies were The Russia House in 1990-1990 and The Fourth War in 1990. And here's the interesting bit of trivia that I read. Both pictures had three-word titles starting with the de- a definite article. Uh-huh. I actually that, read that as a piece of trivia and I was like, what, what, why? That's a, yeah, that's a newsflash. Well, Call the papers both, immediately. Both of those movies had three word titles that yeah. started with the word the. The funny thing is the, the, the definite article, the definite article is a Roy Scheider movie. That's a the comedy about article, yes. comedy about gambling. I think. Yeah. Fetch me the crap wounds. There sorry. you go. <laughs> I'm sorry. We missed that. <laughs> we really missed that. Um, so, um, do you have anything else to say about? Oh, you know, somebody, two people we didn't shout out. We mentioned the name, but we didn't shout him out. Is John Mahoney, who please always great, always spectacular. Who looked who looked quietly delighted with himself that he had a, a, a quiet scene alone with Connery. He has yeah. a scene where he drinks scotch with Connery, and it looked like I was looking at him going. He's, who wouldn't be thrilled to do that? He's a Scotsman himself who was probably like, I'm I'm having a scotch with, with Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe and Mahoney's then, not Scottish, maybe he's Irish. I, I I that's I shouldn't I shouldn't even say things like that. And then Christopher Lawford. Chris Lawford is in this movie. Peter Lawford's boy. Who does um, he play? 
He plays a young CIA guy who asks a couple of questions of Barley. Uh, I think when they get to Vancouver, um, that and when they're debriefing him in that house oh, okay. on the lake, right? Um, and uh, he's. Uh, I got to work with him once. Uh, actually, I got to work with him twice. I got to work with him on. I think he was on Hundred Center Street a couple of episodes and. Um, and I worked on a play with him once, uh, and sadly passed away several years ago. Um, but uh, uh, I, had, I actually had a uh, I had a, had a terrible moment with 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 Chris, where the first day we were working together, I had um, I had done a reading the previous week at the Actors Studio in New York, and when I met Chris, I said. Um, I said, um, oh, I, I actually uh, met your dad last week at, at the actor's studio. We were uh, had a chat after a reading that I did. And Chris said, no, I, I don't think you did. I said, yeah, yeah, he was really nice. And he had come to this reading. There were a whole bunch of people hanging out afterwards. And he had some really nice, we had a really interesting conversation. He said, no, uh, my father passed away several years ago. And I said, who was I talking to? And he said, you were probably talking to Patrick O'Neill. <laughs> he not only he knew who it was who looked like him, who I thought was his dad. <laughs> that's that's, uh, you know, what can I say? And I'm I proud was, of you for telling the story. That's 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 embarrassing. You're proud that would of have been, me for telling Yeah, you, 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 you're very open. I'm, I'm I, ne I would never have sold that story about myself. You wouldn't, but you wouldn't have told that story? No, you have told no. About your, I'm always happy to to sell my humiliation. And just throw yourself under the bus. Yes. For your own, for your, for the, for for the laugh. Entertainment. Yeah. For the laugh. I get it. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, look, why, why, why not give Michelle a, a, a try at this? I, I mean, who thought Fred Shepsey could have made a movie like this? You know, I mean, he made Roxanne. Like. The guy who made Roxanne, you really think you're going to give him the spy Russia house movie? And he yeah. did a great job. Like, it's really good, except for a couple of things. Yeah. Some some very dated ADR. Did you notice how much ADR was going on here? Yeah. It's pretty, it was a little rough. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, they probably magnetized all the audio recordings and went over everything with a fine tooth comb when they left russia to make sure there were no secret codes. yes of course right exactly um so next week we're going to swing from vine to vine and do another john le carré uh we had talked about doing uh, spy who came in from the cold yes i came in from the cold yeah which that... i have i have never seen and it's okay. one of the few john le carré books that i haven't read so i'm actually really looking forward Okay. Yes. Um, well, I remember seeing it, and it's very, very bleak and dark. So get ready. Richard Burton, yes. Claire Bloom, and uh, not Werner Herzog. Um, <laughs> Werner Werner von Braun. No. No. Werner, Oscar Werner. Yeah. Yes. Oscar Werner Wiener schnitzel 
uh, and directed by Martin Ritt, who directed HUD and Norma Ray. Yes, a great director. So um, for all of you folks out there, that's what we'll be talking about next week. So you can watch it this week if you haven't seen it, because you know that we we don't care about spoilers. We will spoil a movie for you. Yeah. We'll you yeah. If you can call this spoiling, we will, yeah. spoil, we will spoil it. <laughs> uh, can't wait. It's going to be exciting. I, and I all promise right. I'll actually watch the movie. I'll actually really, really watch it this time. Well, you know, we could make the show a lot easier to do, I think, is if we trade it off. Like we okay. talked about movies that only one of us has seen. So it's great. Then I just explain a movie to you every other week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like an award-winning show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, my God. That would just be, that would be just um, the most horrible thing. Um, I think we can do better than that. We'll continue this trajectory of both of us watching the movie and talking about the movie we've seen. Sounds like a plan. Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to ArkinBros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know. 